Hello, everybody, and welcome back to That's Insane, a podcast where I talk about murder, medicine, and maybe more, but most definitely more because there's a lot of weird shit out there. I'm Aurelia, I'm your host, and today we have a true crime story. This story, um, so quick little, quick little backstory. I love The Simpsons. I watch The Simpsons pretty much every day. I've watched them since I was really little. Growing up, they would come on at 6 o'clock on the weekdays, and that's just like what I grew up with. So it's like one of my comfort shows. You can ask any of my friends. Um, I've seen all of the episodes like 800 million times. And something that I'll do, and I do this in like other shows and just like life in general, like I'll just randomly get thoughts and Google stuff. But when I'm watching the show, I'll be like, you know, did so-and-so actually voice themselves or like who is in this episode? And uh, I learned that one of the characters, if you've watched The Simpsons, Lionel Hutz and um, what is his name? He was, uh, uh, damn, the movie star, whatever. I can't think, Troy, Troy something, McClure, Troy McClure. Um, he's not in later seasons. And like, it was just so great. Like, I just didn't even notice it. And so I was like, well, what the fuck? And it was because the voice actor for him died. And that's what I'm going to tell you about today. This is the murder of Phil Hartman. So, uh, this was, it, it was just neat because my parents like knew about, you know, this, this murder and stuff from watching it and, and we'll just get into it. So, uh, my sources, my dog is staring at me because she wants to sit on my lap. My sources are Wikipedia, biography.com, all that's interesting, Murderpedia, Daily Mail, uh, and that's it. I, I guess trigger warning, this does talk about like substance abuse. So if that's something that triggers you, then I would not recommend this, um, episode. Oh my god, you guys, I just had, um, well, what felt like a creepy experience, but now that I'm about to say it, it doesn't sound that scary. So, a quick sidebar, I live in, like, a duplex, so I'm on the first floor, and then my neighbor is on the second floor, but we both have doors that lead, like, to the front porch, obviously, and, um, I have, I'm sitting in my living room and I have my drapes closed and the dogs just started barking, going nuts, which isn't like that unusual because they're small dogs. So they bark at literally anything and everything. But then I saw like flashlights on my porch and I was like, what the fuck? And I open, um, my curtains and I see like a flashlight and a cop and I'm like, what the fuck? Well, my upstairs neighbor is a cop. So I was just like, okay, I guess. And so I open the door and I'm like, is everything okay? And they're like, well, we're just looking for one of our own. Like, I guess he, I don't know if he had a shift or what. Um, and they're like, have you seen him today? And I was like, um, no. And then I was like, well, have I heard him like moving around? Like, I can't really remember. Um, because he works nights, which I also work the evening shift, but he works like 11 to seven. And I usually work until like one or two, but I slept really late today. Um, And so I was like, fuck, have I heard him? Like, I really can't remember. And so then I was like, oh, my God. And, you know, in the middle of writing true, reading true crime stuff. Daisy, come on. Come on. I know. So anyway, he's fine. He answered the door. But um, 
that was like kind of creepy. Also, I realized that my shirt that I have on, you can see my nipples. So that was fun. So Phil Hartman was an actor and comedian famous for his skits on SNL and his voice acting on The Simpsons. He was born on September 24th, 1948 in Brantford, Ontario, Canada. He was the fourth of eight children and his family moved to the U.S. when he was 10 years old. Phil said he found affection hard to earn, stating, I suppose I didn't get what I wanted out of my family life, so I started seeking love and attention elsewhere, which is super sad. <clears throat> Dizzy, lay down. Come on. Just lay down. Come on. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Hi. Sit down. Thank you. Okay. Now you have to stay there. Um, so his family lived in Lewiston, Maine, Wait, what the fuck? His family lived in Lewiston, Maine, Meriden, Connecticut. And then moved out of the west out to the west coast. I don't know. He lived in Connecticut and then they moved out to the west coast. He was known as a class clown. He studied at uh he was known as a class clown. He studied art at Santa Monica City College but dropped out to be a roadie with a rock band. <laughs> uh he went back to school in 1972 and graduated from California State University Northridge with a degree in graphic arts and designed um oh in a goodness with a degree in graphic arts and designed more than 40 album covers for bands like Poco and America. He also went on the dating game in the late 70s where he won. Uh, in 1975, he joined the comedy group called The Groundlings after watching their improv group and impulsively climbing on stage to join the cast, which I feel like if you did that now, you would literally be escorted out. Um, but maybe not. Um, he also helped Paul Rubens, Paul Rubens, Paul Rubens, develop Pee Wee Herman. Uh, he actually co-wrote the film Pee-wee's Big Adventure and made numerous appearances on Pee-wee's Playhouse as Captain Carl. In 1986, he joined SNL as a cast member and stayed for eight seasons until 1994. He said in an interview that he wanted to do uh, SNL so he could get exposure and give him like box office credibility so he could like write his own movies is what he really wanted to do. He was nicknamed Glue by Adam Sandler because he was able to hold the show together and help other cast members, which is extremely sweet. He won a Primetime Emmy Award in 1989 for his SNL work. Um, and then other notable, uh, notable roles included starring as Bill McNeil in the sitcom News Radio, voicing Lionel Hutz and Troy McClure on The Simpsons, and appearing in supporting roles in House Guest, Jingle All the Way, and Small Soldiers. He stated that he loved working on The Simpsons. Uh, he stated that he loved working on The Simpsons, and Troy McClure was his favorite character. The cast also loved working with him and used him as much as they could. They actually wrote and developed uh, the episode "A Fish Called Selma," which focuses more on Troy McClure than other episodes. They wrote that um, like for him. So Phil married Gretchen Lewis in 1970, and they divorced in 1972. He then married Lisa Strain, who was a real estate agent, in 1982, but their marriage was also short-lived, and they divorced in 1985. Lisa Strain told People Magazine that Hartman was reclusive off-screen and would disappear emotionally. Uh, in, 1987, uh, in 1987, Hartman married Bryn Omdahl, O-M-D-A-H-L, Omdahl, who was a former mo former model and aspiring actress after meeting on a blind date the year before. So, who is Bryn Omdahl? 
this is just very brief. She was born Vicki Joe on April 11th, 1958 in Thief River Falls, Minnesota. She was first married um, to Douglas Ivor Torfin on May 20th, 1977, but they later divorced. She had small acting roles on television and film, playing a waitress in the film North and then playing a Venusian, 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 on Third Rock from the Sun, but her on-screen never really took off. Daisy, can you please get away from the mic? Why don't you come in my lap then? Come on. So, okay. So she had the small acting roles. She never really took off. She met Phil Hartman while working as a Catalina swimsuit model, and they married on November 25th, 1987. Together, the two had two children, Sean and Burgeon. Burgeon? Bergen? Okay. So apparently their relationship had some red flags. Even in the beginning, um, Bryn's cocaine problem, of course, did not help. So, as Phil's fame rose, she became increasingly jealous. Friends of the couple also began noticing concerning behavior from Bryn. Uh, Lisa Strain, Phil's first wife, sent a card to congratulate the two on the birth of their first child. And according to Lisa, Bryn wrote a letter back that was fury, rage, and a death threat. Quote, the gist of it was, don't even fucking get near me or my family or I will hurt you. I never want to hear from you. Never, ever, ever come near us or you will be really sorry. End quote. And this is like according to Lisa. Their problems began spilling into Phil's work and his SNL makeup artist remembers an incident where she heard them having a fight in his dressing room. His makeup artist asked him if he, he was okay and according to her... Phil said, uh, according to the makeup artist, Phil said, well, Norm, looks like the wife's going to divorce me this time. Phil considered retiring to save their marriage, and he tried getting Bryn acting roles, but she became more and more reliant on alcohol and narcotics. My dogs are, like, on one tonight. She entered, um... Uh, where was I? She entered rehab several times. Phil had taken the kids from the household several times to stay with friends or family because of Bryn's drug problems um, or her alcohol-induced outbursts, is what was said. She was battling anxiety and depression, which who among us isn't? That was rude, but still. The two tried seeing a counselor. She had entered rehab several times. Phil had taken the kids from the household several times to stay with friends or family. No, we're not doing this. I will put you on the floor. Kids, am I right? Phil had taken the kids from the household several times to stay with friends or family because of Bryn's drug or alcohol-induced outbursts. She was battling anxiety and depression. Um, and the two tried seeing a counselor, which of them... Which both of them said, wait, which of them said that really helped? Okay, anyway, neither wanted the divorce, but I also saw other reports where one wanted out and the other wouldn't leave them, essentially. Or wouldn't let them leave, I should say. So, on May 27th, 1998, Bren went to the Italian restaurant Buca de Beppo with friends who, she said, who said she was in a good frame of mind. The group had drinks together. Um, I saw somewhere that Bryn had, like, two drinks. She returned home afterwards where she and Hartman had a, quote, heated argument. 
and Hartman retreated to his bedroom and went to bed, um, which seems to be, like, the norm. Like, he, they would get in a fight or an argument, and he would, like, retreat to his bedroom and, like, let the whole thing, like, cool off. Um... Around 2 a.m., Bryn removed a 38 caliber Smith & Wesson from their metal lockbox in the closet. She entered the room a little before 3 a.m., and on May 28, 1989, she shot her husband three times. Nope. On May 28, 1989, she shot her husband... Motherfucker. On May 28, 1998, she shot her husband three times, once between the eyes, once in the throat, and once in the upper chest. Phil Hartman was just 49 years old. She had reportedly recently started using cocaine again just a few days before the murder, mixed that with alcohol, and she's taking Zoloft. Not not a great combination. Um, She then called Ron Douglas in hysterics, telling him that Hartman was gone for the evening and left her a note saying he'd be back. Ron told her to go to bed, but she then drove to her friend Ron Douglas's house after calling him, but he didn't believe her. Um, I saw somewhere that Ron Douglas was like a prior lover, and she went over there before and complained about Phil and drank some beers before leaving at 1245 that night. But I don't think that's true due to like the timeline of Phil going to bed, but like I'm not sure. Like this article said that she went over there to drink some beers, left at 1245, came home, got in the argument, then she shot him and then went back. Um, so Ron Douglas said he could, uh, he could tell she'd been drinking and could smell the alcohol on her. He saw the handgun, but he, he still didn't believe her. She straight up said that, I guess that she told him that she killed him and he still was like, okay, I, I don't buy it. Um, apparently Bryn then locked herself in his bathroom where she vomited and after sobering up a bit, the two drove separately back to her house around 6 a.m. So it's now been like three hours. Um, on the drive back, Bryn called another friend and confessed to the murder. Once at the house, Ron Douglas saw the grisly murder scene and then they called 911. Okay. So police then escorted Douglas and the two children who were nine and six at the time who had been sleeping off the premises. So not only did this woman shoot her husband, she then left her children at home alone without an adult and their father's dead body. Okay. Um, One of the children told the police officers that the gunshots had sounded like a door being slammed over and over again. Bryn, however, had locked herself in the bedroom sitting next to Hartman's body. So um, I, I guess like when she went up there with Ron Douglas, like... She, like, ran back in the room and, like, barricaded herself in. Um, She called her sister, and when the cops banged on the door, she hung up on her sister and took her life with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. I also read that police were starting to enter the house, and um, as one of the police officers was taking Bergen from the premises, they heard a shot ring out. So, like, they were walking their children off the premises when she shot herself. So, police said Hartman's death was caused by a domestic discord between the couple. A friend of Bryn said that she had trouble controlling her anger, which cocaine probably didn't help that. Bryn's brother, Gregory, filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Pfizer and the manufacturers of Zoloft and her child psychiatrist who had provided samples of the antidepressant to her. Now, I want to say this. Um, I understand why they, they... filed the lawsuit against Pfizer and the manufacturers of Zoloft, but I also think that that's 
fucking ludicrous. Um, however, I don't disagree with the child psychiatrist. Why is he handing a non-patient trial samples of an antidepressant that needs six to eight weeks to work? This person isn't even your patient. So there's that. Um, so Gregory said, I did file a lawsuit against Pfizer, alleging that the use of Zoloft caused my sister to not know what she was doing, and she shot her husband. And when she came out of that, she shot herself. Um, so I would just like to say that Zoloft is an SSRI. It's not like a hallucinogen. I am on Zoloft. I am fully aware of what I'm doing all the time. Uh, so that's a bunch of... My dog is like breathing right into the microphone. Um, yeah, I am on Zoloft and I just think that that's like a bunch of boo hockey. Like there's, that's just the dumbest thing. Like she didn't know what she was doing. Maybe she didn't know what she was doing because she was on cocaine and alcohol. I mean, that sounds like the most likely scenario to me, but whatever. Um, but Pfizer did end up settling the lawsuit for a hundred thousand dollars. So maybe there was more to it and Pfizer, cause like I doubt Pfizer would have been like, yeah, fine. We'll settle if there wasn't like a way. I, I I don't know. I think it was dumb. So both Bryn and Phil's bodies were cremated, cremated, and their ashes were scattered over Santa Catalina Islands, Emerald Bay. Phil has a headstone in Thief River, River Falls, Minnesota, with Bryn. Which, okay, the night of his death. That uh, this like touches me so much. The night of his death, rehearsals for The Simpsons and that night's performance by the Groundlings were canceled. A special episode of SNL commemorating Phil's work on the show aired on June 13th, 1998. The Simpsons um, uh, later retired his two characters after his death, which is what I was talking about in the beginning. And he was inducted into Canada's Walk of Fame on September 22nd, 2012, and his brother accepted the award on his behalf. In June 2013, it was announced that Hartman would receive a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which was unveiled on August 26th, 2014. A special prize at the Canadian Comedy Awards was named after Hartman and is awarded to an individual who helps to better the Canadian comedy community. Lastly, in 2015, Rolling Stone magazine ranked Hartman as one of the 10 greatest SNL cast members throughout its history. And that is the tragic and horrible death of Phil Hartman, a.k.a. Troy McClure, a.k.a. Lionel Hutz. Um, pretty fucked up and really, and just really sad. Like, I just, I wonder what he would have, you know, continued doing. I know that he like left SNL because it was like getting a little bit more, um, I think he, like lewd was kind of like he, it wasn't like what it was when he started because the batch of like younger kids, like I think San, Adam Sandler and, um, I don't know. I can't think of any other fucking names now, but it, it was like going a direction that he like wasn't a fan of. But it, like, did its job. But I wonder what he would have created, like, when he wanted to write movies and stuff, what we would have gotten from him. I mean, look at Adam Sandler, like, all the amazing movies. I love Adam Sandler movies. Um, like, look at all of those amazing movies that we got from him, and I just wonder what we would have gotten from Phil Hartman. I also saw that The Simpsons wanted to do, like, a movie, like, on Troy McClure, I think, just, like, for Phil Hartman because they enjoyed him so much but yeah just drugs and alcohol man and anger issues and anxiety depression it's just not great it's just not a good mix so um yeah that's all i have for you guys 
If you guys have any true crime stories or weird medical cases or just weird shit in general that you want me to look into, send an email to thatsinsanepodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at that's underscore insane underscore podcast. I'm also on Facebook under that's insane podcast. Um, I am not on TikTok, but you can follow Aurelia May Makeup where I post these videos um, in little minute clips while I do my makeup if that's something that you want to do. Uh, or enjoy. But yeah, until next time. Bye.